Hey team, it's Steady State Podcast. Your rowing fix, where the water's always flat, the catches are clean, and you can always hear the coxswain. It's Rachel Friedman and Tara Morgan. Sit ready. Thanks to everyone who listened to our last episode with Women's Voices in Rowing author Daniela Nahazilova and two of the women featured in the book. We were joined by Michelle Carpenter, CEO of Rowing Ireland, and Judy Gear, who's a two-time Olympian and part of the owner-operated family of Concept2 and Craftsbury Outdoor Center. If you missed it or any of our episodes, listen anytime at steadystatenetwork.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, we'd love it if you left us a review. Hey, Rachel, what's coming up next on our schedule? Well, we really miss morning practices and we miss post-practice coffee with teammates. So we invite you to grab a mug of your favorite beverage and let's talk. Let's compare training notes, gripe about how much we miss big boats, wax poetic about sunrise rows and anything else you want to talk about. Join us Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on Facebook Live. At Steady State Network, we believe wholeheartedly in inclusion at all levels of rowing. To support the development of up-and-coming coaches, club board members, and organizational staffers who have fresh perspectives and visions for the future of rowing, we decided to award scholarships to U.S. Rowing's annual convention held December 8th through 13th, 2020. After announcing the scholarship opportunity, we were really humbled when businesses stepped forward to sponsor additional scholarships. With the help of iCrew, Tacoma Youth Rowing, Science of Rowing, Seize the Oar Foundation, and Concept2, we were able to provide eight scholarships. Our first ever Changemaker Scholarships initiative drew an incredible group of rowers, coaches, wannabe coaches, coxswains, founders of rowing-related small businesses, club administrators, and club board members. We were so interested to read about everyone's experiences at and ideas and goals for clubs and organizations across the United States and even around the world. Today, we're talking with our 2020 Changemaker Scholarship recipients to find out what nuggets of information they picked up at the U.S. Rowing Convention and what they've been able to put into practice since. Well, welcome back to the Changemakers. Hello, you guys look amazing. So hi, I'm Sue Kaszelski. I am in Crystal Lake, Illinois. So we're in northwest suburb of Chicago. Um, I my club is Sweeps and Skulls Rowing. I am the founder, head coach, director. You know, rower. Um, that's probably my favorite role is rower. I like that one the best. So that's me. I've been oh, and I've been rowing uh, about ten years. Hi, my name is Tamara Clayton. Uh, I recently moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm an assistant coach with uh, Lake Las Vegas Rowing Club. Uh, We have three umbrella colleges um, underneath us, as well as a juniors, masters, and um, open rowing as well. Uh, I started rowing in 2003, and I began coaching in um, the fall of 2013. Hi everyone, I'm Ashley L. Pryor. I am from um, Relentless Rowing Academy, and that is located in Columbus, Ohio. So go Bucks, O-H-I-O. Uh, I am uh, the CEO, founder, coach, and also a master's rower. I started in college, so I've been rowing for 11 years. Hi everybody, I'm Natalie Letcher. I'm from Green Lake, 
rowing crew, um, and we are located in Seattle, Washington. I've been rowing for about five years and just started as an adult and fell in love with it. And I'm interested in um, thinking about how we're getting a new boathouse in um, at, at Green Lake, and we're really excited about growing our program and thinking about how we can open our rowing program to more people, wider audience. So really excited to be part of this and um, received my scholarship from CZOR, and I'm excited about partnering with them and just really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. Hi, my name is Grace Gardner, and I'm the head coach and founder at Lake Phelan Community Rowing, aka Power 10 in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I've been rowing for five years. You've only been rowing five years and now you're the head coach? Uh, yeah, I'm 21. <laughs> and a founder. Oh my God. Since wow. you're... Shoot. Holla, holla to all the founders. Yeah. Um, so I'm Lisa Russell. I um, row out of Community Rowing Incorporated and Riverside Boat Club in Boston. Um, and I am both a rower and a physical therapist uh, specializing in working with rowers. Um, I have my own blog where I try and learn about rowing and physio things called powerhousephysio.com. And I've been rowing for like 13, 14 years. I started in college and I am a new para rower, let's say. So I've been, been a rower for a long time, but in the past couple of years um, had an accident that now I'm a para rower. So I'm exploring kind of that world and a lot of fun. So one of the things that we love it at uh, Steady State Podcast is just talk about what's going on in your rowing week. What happened this week? Anything fun? Anything good? Any good uh, TKPRs uh, participating in the holiday challenges? What's going on? Anybody been on the water? Um, I got back in the swing of rowing. Uh, my partner is being deployed uh, for about six months, uh, actually tomorrow. So um, I'm like, I'm going to get back in shape. So when they get back, I'm going to be like, huh. Ah. But I joined, uh, there's that Colorado 14er challenge and it's row the height of all 53 14ers in the state of Colorado. So I've been tackling that. I think it's like 220 or 230K worth in the month of January. I'm not sure I've heard about that. Could you tell us exactly what it is and how we and, can find it? And I want to do yeah. that. Uh, it's on Regatta Central. Um, you're welcome to join anytime. Um, and I think it was $35. Um, and you can have the option of only rowing like a third of the peaks, half the peaks or all 53 peaks. And I'm tackling all 53 peaks. Um, and they have different classes for different age groups. They have classes if you're at elevation or sea level, like they have everybody covered. And I believe you get like a button, a certificate and a t-shirt. Oh, cool. So, I love t-shirts. <laughs> Who doesn't love swag? Yeah. What's happening with anybody else? Anybody else on the water or rowing or testing or anything? I can go next. Um, so we did our first, uh, we're new. I don't know if I shared that. So we launched officially in August, but started really getting things going in March, but I've been planning relentless for four years. So it took me four years to get off the ground um, and take myself seriously. And um, we just competed in our first virtual regatta um, as a team. And that was really exciting. They all PR, this was their second 2k and they have consistently showed up. So I have not scared them away. Um, and what was really cool is we've gotten parents involved. What I think was really awesome when I started relentless was I thought, okay, the kids are going to love this. The parents want the kids in something. 
and really it was the parents. They're like, well, what about us? Like, we need something. Um, so now um, we have parents joining us and they're inviting their friends and, you know, asking when we can get back on the water. Unfortunately, it is literally snowing here in Columbus. So it's going to be a minute till we can get back on the water. Um, but that's really exciting. And I, I think that the thing that's been the highest point for me is that a parent who said, I will never row. Um, her daughter started with me back in um, September and we got her on an erg and she had the best time and she's like, I'll start rowing now. Nice. And so I think that that Woo! to me is just like the importance of like showing up for people and just empowering them. She was adamant. She's like, I will never do this. Don't ask me. I'm just here for my daughter. And now she's joining us for practice once a week. So wow, has been awesome. awesome. How cool. You know, um, we had coach Sarah Nevin from uh, California on the podcast a few weeks ago, and she said the most successful rower is the one that comes back the next day. And it's like, you have to be as a coach and as a founder and as a teammate, you have to be the one that says, hi, I see you and you're safe here and you're welcome here. And if you just keep that going, they will keep coming back. And those are your most successful rowers. And in her mind, I would have to agree with that. Sure, yeah. So. And I think even with me sharing, like I'm trying to, I feel you, I'm trying to get back in shape as well and doing different things. And um, I think it's been awesome for me to be able to model that. And I've been very transparent in what I view as like, not my successes, um, but my, my weak moments where I can grow in this sport. And I think that's really empowered the parents too. Cause I'm like, listen, I'm not anywhere close to where I was when I was in college, but I'm really proud that I'm getting my body moving and um, and I think the girls respect that. And, and so do some of the guys on our team. Sure. Think, being, being real. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that, that notion of modeling Ash, because uh, that's something I was really aware of um, when I was coaching. It's been a few years since I've been, since I've been a coach out on the water, but I was really aware that a lot of other coaches that I know weren't rowing or even erging anymore. And I wanted to be that coach that was modeling the behavior and also someday if somebody needed me I could get in the boat and go <laughs> um, I think that's really important uh, to say if you're gonna go through these paces I'm gonna go through them with you and I would sit down on the erg and work out with them um, so that they knew you know like let's work our butts off together so is anybody else uh, Grace or Natalie or anybody else having some rowing action Grace go ahead yeah um my junior athletes just did their first 2K of the winter season yesterday, actually. And um, all of them were novices except for one. So it was PRs all around. <laughs> so, lots of fun, honestly. Uh, pretty difficult to have it given that the kids are all erging in their house and then we Zoom call in. So I was a little worried about their motivation to like finish out the 2K, but they all did really well. So that was exciting. And then the other thing I've been doing is Power 10 is having an MLK Day event with a panel of um, like black leaders in rowing. So I've been setting up for that and I'm really excited for that to happen and it'll be recorded. So great. We'd love to share the link to that. If you'll uh, share that with us, we'd love mm -hmm. to get the word out about that. Uh, Natalie or Sue, anything to report? Hey there, I'll jump in. Um, not much going on here. I think that's... Um, that's the extent of it. But being part of this is great because it's inspiring me again. Went back and listened to some convention talks, which was fun to do, uh, which I've been meaning to do. So this was this was good. But yeah, you know, there's just not a lot going on. If we want to row, we have to row with other people. Not a lot of lessons happening right now um, just because of the cold weather. 
um, with the master's program. Our program is shut down because it's a, um, a Parks and Rec state program. So the liability is destroyed really high right now. So we haven't been open. It's, it's a good time to get on that ERG. We've got a weekly uh, ERG class happening with our team, which is nice. Uh, but, you know, trying to keep that communication up with people, trying to keep that connectedness is really a struggle. So this is inspiring. It's great to hear what you're doing. Good. I'm glad that you're here and you can uh, pick up some good vibes and good ideas. So I'll give you guys my update. We, uh, I had kind of a bummer week last week. I don't, I don't really know why I was kind of asking, is it a full moon or something? Cause it just seemed like everything was a little off last week. And, you know, as I had to deal with a couple of parents, which I normally love dealing with parents, which actually is one of the hard parts about being a juniors coach is the parents can be tricky sometimes. Um, my parents are fantastic usually, but I just had a couple of like COVID is making everybody crazy. Um, so that was, it's, it's all fine. Everything's good with that. And then, um, but that led to the beverages last night, you know, <laughs> among other things. Um, I decided that we would do the, um, rowers choice global rowing challenge. We didn't, I didn't necessarily like enter everybody, but I decided we were just going to do it as a team. Just, I'm going to make everybody do the distances every week. I liked it because they're really short. They're like, it's like 350 meters. Yay. Um, so we started that last week and I'm just going to make everybody do the distances every week or the times or whatever. And that actually went over pretty well. I will tell you that in a normal winter season, when I try to coordinate stuff like that, when everybody's showing up for practice, it's hard enough. But when I'm trying to get times from people that are like, erging at home and erging here and erging, it was like, <laughs> that, that was another part of it. I'm like, okay, I, I think I got everybody now, but it went pretty well. I kind of refocused our winter season. Normally I use 2Ks as like their measuring stick for progress, but this year I'm like, why? Like, you know, normally we would do that, but like what's the likelihood of us racing in the spring is just so low. I'm like, they're not gonna be into that. So but I do want them all to do at least one 2K this winter, um, especially because I think the new people should, you know, but the ones that haven't done it, you kind of need to get that under your belt at least once. So the global rowing challenge ends with a 2K if you make the championship round. And I told everybody, guess what? We're going to do the challenges every week. And then guess what? The week of the 2K, you're all going to do your 2Ks. <laughs> so that's the, that's going to be uh, how that's going to go, but. And in other news, I have no idea how this happened, but I got three new adult rowers in the last like two weeks. They just contacted me. I know. Boom. It's crazy. So Congratulations. they just me and yeah, it's, it's really cool. So that's kind of fun too. I think there's been a surge, you know, uh, a lot of people got freed up on the wait list for concept two and they've gotten their machines now. And there is a huge blow up on a Facebook group called concept two community just there's a picture of the box on my front porch. Now what? Like what there's so much. That? And there's this, this plan called Pete's plan. And it's this like 20 year old WordPress website that this guy has this Pete's plan and everyone is doing Pete's plan, you know? And I looked at it. I was like, I could do that. You know, I've been rowing since 1986. Like, oh, I, that actually looks like a lot of fun. I just got an erg for myself finally. But good for you. And, and, you know, I hope you consider all of us a resource for the what to do and, I don't know what to do and this is working and, and just sharing what's working because I think keeping people connected 
yet challenging them, yet moving forward is such a, it's a complicated process uh, with what's happening. Cause these are kids that are super stressed out, parents that are super stressed out. Oh, and yeah. what's the best thing for stress? Exercise, Exercise. right? Right. Set a goal, meet a goal, set a new goal, meet a goal, right? So that's really great for all of you, especially, you know, and Grace probably has some good words of advice, you know, being closer to their age also, but also just being a founder and, and having motivated so many kids and, and Ash too with her program. I mean, everybody's got growth happening, which is crazy to think about. Like, I don't know if any of us expected this much growth as well as the uh, social media traffic around I just got an erg and what do I do? Or the, I mean, how many screenshots a day do we see of someone's monitor? Oh, so, many. <laughs> so, so many. Stop. Just please yeah. stop with the yeah. screenshots of your monitors. You know, I think we need a special support group just for those people who want to post screenshots of their monitors. You know, I've actually been thinking about that some Tara, because, uh, you know, uh, basically I hadn't been on the water in, in a while before COVID and there was a lot of screenshots happening that I was taking and sharing. And basically, I mean, I have not been on the water for over a year and I was looking at my, so I think you guys know, besides doing this, I also founded RowSource. So I have my RowSource social media feed and that thing's kind of come to a trickle because I'm like, I can post more of my like workouts. Yay. I mean, I guess there, there's a, some desire for that. There's some appetite for that. Some people like to see it and talk about it, but I feel like after a while, it's like a snoozer. Or <laughs> they, or they like to critique you. you or know, they like, like critique. they're like, your pacing's off. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So actually that was a fun topic that came up this week. We don't have to talk about it, which was unsolicited coaching advice. When you post your screenshots of your monitors and especially male coaches posting on women's uh, pages uh, mm, girls, you know, unsolicited coaching feedback is, is like, no, no. <laughs> is that really a thing? I haven't run into that that much. That's uh, so uh... we we've heard from some women who have posted pictures of themselves on the erg. One woman took a picture of herself. She had a mirror next to the erg and she took a picture so that you could see the mirror and herself. And she said something I thought was really interesting. She said, it's, I don't have it there to look at to like judge myself on technique, she's been feeling lonely. And so she put this mirror there. So she had a rowing so smart. partner. So smart. So smart. So she posted this to some group and then she like posted it to, to like, uh, to the Alliance of Women Rowing Coaches, like basically like some dude, you know, started telling me that my technique wasn't right. And that the mirror wasn't in the right place. The mirror is not in the right place. It's a waste of time to have it there. Yeah, I think there's a coaching vacuum happening. I think there's a lot of unemployed um, coaches who need to give feedback somehow. They can just hop on the rowing Reddit. Everybody wants technique advice there. Yeah, or concept two community. What am I doing wrong? You know, like I have 15 blisters on my hands. What am I doing wrong? Steady State Network is made possible by patrons like you who appreciate real-life rowing stories. Support us by visiting steadystatenetwork.com slash Patreon. And we're back with the Changemakers. 
we do have some um, very specific questions we want to ask you, but actually this leads into something I'm very curious about. Um, I know a lot of us are erging right now. Uh, I'm, I'm always wondering what people are working on, right? We've all been rowing for a pretty significant amount of time, but we also all know that there's something to work on. So right now I'm working on a whole lot, every, basically everything that's happening at the catch, everything that's happening at the catch. That's what I'm working on on the erg. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to affect my splits. So I'm kind of wondering what you all are working on. So I actually have had a really hard time erging this winter because it hurts my hip a lot. So I've had to like let go of that. Like, oh, I'm going to have a great winter. I'm finally going to erg again, like blah, blah, blah. And just been enjoying biking. Um, but because I want to be able to transition back to the water when it's here, I've been really focusing in the weight room on like what I can do to make sure that I'm able to get back on the water safely um, without having to like ramp up super slow and like miss a bunch of beautiful like springtime weather. Um, yeah, just, I guess I've been, I've been using my deadlifting and squatting and, and core work and all that kind of heavy stuff to like keep my like body ready to row when I can get back on the water again. And that's working. Hope so. <laughs> I, think so. I mean, and you know, from the, from the PT side of thing, right. Um, I feel like winter training is the perfect time to pick stuff apart and like figure out your weak points and, and build them stronger so that you can like, you know, not have your forearms die first when you're out on the, you know, when you get a blade back in your hand or, you know, you can actually figure out how to get connection when you're at, you know, when you're driving and not like pick it up in your shoulders or like mm -hmm. your butt or whatever your problem is, you know? So I spend a lot of time with the clients that come in, like checking their technique and seeing like where the, the strength or the, um, body awareness kind of like chunk is that's hard for a coach to do when you're like looking at a bajillion rowers and like on the water and all that. Um, so that I can give people like ways to strength support the changes they want to make, whether it's at the catch or whether it's, you know, their finished positioning or how much power they get off the drive and everything. Um, yeah. so with the, with the clients I have, that's kind of the winter focus is like, you know, how, how do we change? How do we make a change? Um, you know, regardless of how much they're erging, um, cause you know, injury wise, a lot of people use the winter to kind of give themselves a break. So, so Tamara, does this speak to you and like, you know, you're kind of getting back into it. Are you noticing that you need to be extra mindful of technique? You know, you're doing some long distances, low rate, long distance for this challenge. And, um, how are you keeping yourself nice and healthy and strong? Uh, well, I discovered I can't touch my toes anymore. So when I started rowing, I couldn't really get into the position like I could when I was in college or high school. I was like, oh, like I'm supposed to get there, but now I have some extra love layers that are in the way. And um, so I've been stretching a little bit beforehand. Um, you know, like things that I do every day, like I brush my teeth every day. So I've been stretching while brushing my teeth. Um, and I have like one of those electric toothbrushes that like stops every 30 seconds for a brief second to let you know that it's transitioning. So like every 30 seconds, I'll switch to a different like hammy stretch or something. Um, and the other day, it was so funny. Someone walked into the bathroom and I was like, oh, you know, like all contorted and brushing my teeth. But uh, yeah, it just is humbling because I know what I'm capable of and what I was capable of and where I was as an athlete to try to get back to that level again. I, it's just, so I did a full marathon the other day just because I was watching football 
and I probably kept like a 330 split but I didn't care because I was just enjoying like the football and I was just getting it in there and I was like it's going to be four hours of football might as well otherwise I'd be on a couch mileage so, is um, mileage is mileage yeah Girl. and yeah. Like, or the other day I was eating a donut while erging. You know, I'm not trying to break any records. I'm just trying to get the meters in. And yeah. I've noticed significantly like my heart rate's changing. I, it's not as elevated when I start sprinting. So there's small changes, but it's, I have to remind myself I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. So. Right. Right. Well, good on you. It's, it is humbling for sure. I think mm-hmm. we're all past our primes in that sense, but moving into new prime, <laughs> right? Ash, what do you got? Yeah, I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to piggy off, piggyback off of Tamara just to say, um, I've been focusing a lot on body positivity in my coaching. Um, I do that a lot in my group fitness work, um, but just making sure that anyone who's coming to the program feels like their body is enough. Um, and so we've had a lot of folks talk about. I, I don't know what you said again, Tamara. Can you say what you said about the extra layers? I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, love extra love layers. Love layers. On. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's um, awesome. But I, I've, I've tried to switch that. It's not we're making this change because you can't do this. We're making this change because your body's unique and we're adjusting to it. And the beauty of this sport is that we can do that and you can still be awesome and powerful and dominate. Um, and so I, I wanted that was something that I've really put into my coaching style from group fitness over to being a rowing coach. But I wanted to circle back to answering this question around the unsolicited advice. I think that that's what makes all of our programs beautiful and unique. The way that I operate is different than Grace in the way she's operating, even though, and and from Natalie, like that's super dope that your partnership is with the city of Columbus or not the city of Columbus, but your Rexon Park. But that serves different challenges than me being on my own. And so I think for us, someone's always gonna tell us how we should be, but we need to do what's best for us and what works for our program. And I think that's also the beauty of rowing is that we can all find our niche in our pocket. Like Tamara, I'm right there with you, girl. I'm like, dang, I cannot hit that steady state that I once did. But I'm also switching that narrative when I'm doing is like, you are moving your body and you are blessed that your body can do this right now. Like you are so strong because you could give up right now, but you're not. Um, I'm probably about a minute and a half away from my, my uh, 2k uh, of what I was in my prime. And then I think for me, a few things, and then I will stop talking um, is that being an entrepreneur can be very lonely. People don't understand it. I'm a first generation college student. That was hard enough. No one in my family is an entrepreneur and this is my second business. So there's a lot of things that they're like, girl, what are you doing? And I think it's really important important to value partnerships. And so we've partnered um, with Row House. I don't know if anyone has a Row House in their area, Um, but here they've been phenomenal. Um, We have donation classes that we do. Um, We've partnered on land regattas. We'll have a spring one. Um, And through that, we've actually gained some really dope volunteers. And so I'm no longer doing the heavy lifting by myself. And that's been really great in stretching my leadership of like, this is my brainchild, my baby, my sweat and tears. And now I'm able to say, okay, I'm going to give you this information, go rock with it, add your flair, let's make it better, let's get it popping, let's recruit more. Um, And so I'm really excited about 
seeing that partnership grow, they've also asked me to come on as a coach for group fitness. So that's been exciting, some extra income <laughs> coming in. Um, but I think that that's something that I would really push people is, is find that good partnership. And sometimes you're going to have some that are, are duds. Um, I've had my fair share of those as well, but really focusing on the ones that are going to rock with you and how do you continue to build. Um, and, and I think what's been great there is that we've talked about what does it mean to be an ally and accomplice and an agitator. Um, in this space supporting BPOC athletes and um, they're just willing to come to the table every time and learn and and that's been such a safe spot for us especially right now we've had black owned businesses that have been targeted here in Columbus um, so it's been a pretty scary time but to know that we have that one accomplice in our back pocket that's willing to help us to get on our feet when we need it has been awesome. Yeah I could definitely agree with you as a founder and I think you know Grace is a founder uh, Sue's a founder, you're a founder, Tamara is working in a, a new club in in uh, Nevada, the only club uh, that we know of in Nevada and Las, Lake Las Vegas. So I love those collaborations and partnerships and it eases the pain of of being an, a solopreneur, a solo entrepreneur. I've been, I've been doing that for eight years and it really wasn't until I really started partnering that the load felt lifted and the boat started to move faster, you know, in, in a metaphorical and a real sense. Uh, Grace, yeah, I just wanted to kind of build off of what Ash was saying, which I thought was really cool. So we're really working on trying to form partnerships in St. Paul. It's been kind of rough, but we're chugging away. So it's been hard as like a brand new club just because a lot of um, part potential partners look for like an established presence. So they know that they're actually helping someone who's like a real person and it's going to make a difference. So just being over a year old, it's sometimes a little bit difficult to get people to sign on, but we've been working at it and I think it's been going pretty well. And I'm really excited for the spring season and like getting some people on the water in singles, hopefully maybe some big boats if we're really lucky. Uh, and man, then, would, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I would kill to be in a, in a big old, Sweet boat, six seat. Just, oh, yeah. That's a great. That's a great spot in the boat. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite. It's my baby. You know, one thing I've been thinking about because I'm really excited to get back in an eight. Uh, Lisa was saying before about how how you've been working with clients, like make sure that they're ready to get back on the water. And like, I have not been doing any sort of this motion. Like, I'm I'm imagining picking up an eight and being like, oh my god. <laughs> So, yeah, you need to work on your boat lifters. Squat. Boat lifters. I, do, I, mean, I have I have weights here. I should just you know I should just do some. I, so you could yeah. just right now sitting down. I could. Okay, let me go get them. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I wanted to cover, which I thought uh, was something I've really been focusing on with my athletes and in my coaching, is mindset because it's been really difficult with young athletes and um, COVID and making sure that they stay motivated and keep having fun. And also like, it's not like a typical year where the, you're gonna see the same results from the training plan. I've had to learn a lot from that. I started out like expecting, like we might be able, I had to adjust very quickly after like the first few weeks of the winter training program, because it was like, okay, this is not gonna work. We need to make sure we're taking appropriate breaks. We need to make sure that I'm listening properly to the athletes and they feel like they have some ownership over the program. And that's been really fun kind of playing with that and figuring out what works best for them. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about this period with COVID is even though it's 
really not awesome in a lot of ways. I feel like it gives us a lot of opportunity to change the way we think about rowing and change our mindset about how we're going into our coaching and how we're training our athletes. And I think there's just so much opportunity for growth in the way we interact with our athletes and letting them have more ownership and being willing to work with them hands-on and like figure out what's going on in their lives and how that's affecting their training. And that's something I've just really, really been enjoying recently. It's, it's great that you bring that up because we, uh, we what I, how I refer to it is, is training the whole athlete, right? We're training the whole athlete. We're training them to be great people in the world. We're training them that uh, to be fast, to be competitive and take good care of their bodies and take good care of their minds, which go with their bodies and be good teammates. And these kids are having a hard time and, and so are the masters, you know, alone in their homes, uh, you know, training away and and finding and setting goals and adults are able to do that. I see the 14ers regatta challenge or whatever, and I'm going to go do that. A, a kid needs a little bit more uh, guidance and handholding. And, and the most recent podcast interview that Rachel and I did was with Daniela Nakhislova, who wrote Women's Voices in Rowing. And it's a 14 woman profile book that she self-published, beautiful book, has some powerhouse women in it. And so many of those women talk about how women especially tend to coach whole athlete style and can, and that there doesn't need to be so much gender equality with male and female coaches, but rather showcase and highlight the coaches that do these, this whole athlete training and then spread that through the culture and say, you know, aren't these kids happier and faster and, and everything. So kudos to you, you know, this whole athlete concept, I think is, is really going to be a big takeaway like how important it is to know what's going on at home and how are they how they're faring and and uh, what their life is like because uh, a lot of kids are very lonely and very uh, kind of they've had it you know especially in the real lockdown states. Um, I'd say at the masters level as well. You know, this mm -hmm. was something that I tried to incorporate when I was coaching. Um, I admittedly, I'm not sure that I was great at it, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity again yeah. to to talk more with rowers about things happening off the water and away from the boathouse. Oh yeah, yeah Grace. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's extra important to think about the whole athlete in a diverse program because these athletes are coming in with different values, potentially like different backgrounds, different things going on in their lives and you might be familiar with. So I think it's really important to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to like share what's going on with them so you can really understand the background that they're coming from. And I would also argue that a lot of people are doing some extra self-reflection at this time, uh, career reflection, uh, personal goals reflection. I've noticed a, a sort of a surge in people, for instance, coming out, uh, coming out as transgender, coming out um, as here's my passion project that I'm now going to turn into my career. Um, and those are all things that are facilitated by people feeling like they're connected. And if we're one of the pieces of that connection, um, that's that's amazing, you know. And that's been the heart and soul of our boathouses, I think, up until this point. We just have never like articulated that. Like that's really what makes the boathouse special. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Steady State Network, and on Twitter at Steady State Row. Sign up for our e-newsletter and become a patron at SteadyStateNetwork.com. And we're back with the Changemakers. 
we originally met all of you because you were going to the U.S. Rowing Convention in 2020, December, as change makers. And we took a lot of applications and we picked all of you because you were up and coming visionaries in the sport and you all were granted scholarships to go to that convention in, in one form or another. And we just want to find out how have you put it into practice, if you've put it into practice, um, and what you're working on in terms of, and maybe there's something that really stuck with you or a person that stuck with you. Um, some of you have gone back and watched presentations. And if you're struggling to figure out how to do that, we can actually explain how, how to go back and watch those. But um, how's, how's post-convention life been, Lisa? Yeah, I was going to say, I can go first. Sure. Um, so I actually, this week, it was awesome. I like I had a whole day where I didn't have clients. So I like was able to log in and listen to some of the presentations that I had missed. Um, so I uh, dove into Stuart McGill's presentation because he presented at the same time as all the guys at um, the Science of Rowing, who, who were the ones who were tied to my scholarship. Um, and so I prioritized their presentation initially over Stuart McGill's. But um, so going back and listening to him talk about, you know, he, he's a big back guy, right? So listening to him talk about back rowing health and, and how he looks at things and um, really just like sparked me to, for one, dive into a lot of Joe DeLeo's podcast episodes that he's had with him, which was really fun to listen to um, and, and to really think of, you know, kind of all the different other schools of thought I, ha I have in terms of like back health and rowing and, and whatever, but it was, um, it's really great to have the, the chance to connect with the guys all at Science of Rowing too. I've increased my communication with them, I'd say, since the convention. It's been really, really fun, you know, to just be able to send them an email or a message on Instagram or whatever and be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this with like, you know, one piece of something they've released, whether it's like blood flow restriction training or um, the periodization they use in the weight room or just like different aspects of, you know, rowing training that they've um, highlighted over their past few issues and to be able to like pick their brains about like, okay, this is how I'm going to implement it. Like, what do you all think um, has been super fun um, and, and really cool to have other people that I'm connected with to talk about rowing outside of, of my coworkers who are phenomenal strength coaches and physical therapists, but don't know rowing, I'm their resource for that. So um, I feel like I've, I've had a really big change since the convention in terms of my connection to them. So I, I thank you guys and them for that. It's been really awesome. Oh, that's so good to hear. I'm really glad you've been able Fantastic. to work with them. Yeah. Fantastic. I really got a lot from the convention. I thought it was a really great experience. And I had gone to the convention the year before for my like level two coaching certification. And that was kind of where I learned like a lot of like the nuts and bolts stuff like technique and how to coach technique and how that works. So I was anticipating kind of taking the same things from this, this year's convention. Um, but really, I like learned a lot more about like biomechanics and the science of rowing and how to coach a holistic athlete. And there was so much more that I was able to draw on. That was just super exciting to have like these new alleyways to explore and broaden my coaching ability and broaden the types of people that I can hopefully reach. So that was really fun. <laughs> Great. Sue, you had your hand up. Yep, I did. Well, <clears throat> So, I mean, the convention, there was a, a ton of information. Um, so it was a little bit on overload, but um, just lots and lots of really good stuff. Um, some very like specific direct things. Um, I have an athlete who 
every single year we start winter season and she starts out fine. And about around this time, she starts complaining of back pain. And then by the end of the season, she can't even do a two, she can't do a 2K. She can't kind of complete her training because she's having so much back pain. And this wow. is an ongoing thing. So I talked to her mom and I'm like, hey, here's some contact information. How about getting her emotion screen? Because I, I knew what to tell her now instead of just, you know, like continue. And it, it's really interesting because it doesn't happen in a boat. So it's something that's very specific to being on an erg. Um, and I, you know, not alone. that's very common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a different motion on an erg. It's a whole different thing. So I gave her Karen's name and Dr. McGill's name. And I said, Hey, how about getting her emotion screen? I don't know if they'll follow up with it, but I felt good that I knew like, okay, this isn't where I should, I shouldn't be. I, I can hand this off, you know, and hand it off in a good way. So that was one very direct thing. And then another cool thing is, um, is communicating with Tacoma Youth Rowing, who was the one that sponsored my scholarship. And um, I, in my previous life, was a graphic designer. And my husband and I um, own a, a business that we do um, technology and some website development and, you know, things like that. I'm like, hey, is there anything we can do for you in this realm? And so he actually asked me for a little bit of graphic design work. So I'm going to do a, a a little bit of logo work for, for them. Cool. And, yeah. Which is really cool. I'm excited about that. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I, will. but <laughs> yeah, Dave is great. Dave Harvey. Yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah. And then the other cool thing was I was mentioning to him and our back and forth that we're transitioning. I rode on lakes pretty much my entire rowing career. I'm a lake kid. I grew up on a lake. So lakes are like a, a happy place for me. And we're transitioning this year to rowing on a river. And I know like nothing about, <laughs> I know rivers go up and down a lot. I know they have a current, but aside yeah. from the regattas I've done on a river, I've never spent a lot of time on a river. And so I'm like, well, I've got all this, you know, I was just kind of like mentioning we're going to be rowing on a river and I've got things to think about. He's like, oh, I've got like this whole script and like 911 script and extraction points. And I'm like, extraction points what a great idea <laughs> i just hadn't yeah. thought about it because on a lake you don't really need extraction points because you're never that far from your your own dock whereas on a river we could be 5k away from our dock you know sure. yes yeah. 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 sue remind me um to send you we have a document at dc strokes that's uh, like an emergency document do any of you have something like that set up for your clubs yeah, it's probably a great idea to include information about uh, uh, like all the emergency numbers, contact information sure. for uh, other coaches, extraction points, uh, and yeah, just like, bas <laughs> yeah, basically like what do you do in case of X, Y, Z? Because especially right. with like new coaches, no idea. You hope it never happens to you, but it right. was, I think, an eye opener when our club sat down to put together that document. Yeah, yeah. If, if you wouldn't mind sending along, that would be so helpful. Okay, note, note to self. Tamara? <laughs> Those yeah, um, so like through convention, you know, they kept advertising and mentioning like level three coaching, like the next course. And so I applied and I was one of the 24 that got selected for it. Ooh. And, yeah. um, and Lake Las Vegas was like founded in 2016, like the rowing club that I'm at. And Jim Anderson, who's from Marin in Oklahoma City, is the head coach. Um, but the very first task, 
So they said that they revamped level three to where it's more inclusive in terms of you're actually going to have to do work. You can't just go to a class, sit there, talk, then take a test and be like, yay, here's your certificate. Like they're putting us to work. And the very first task is a safety like procedure and protocols for the whole entire club. And so I was like, hey, you know, like, do we, I know because Jim and I talk and it's a lot of vocal stuff, but we haven't really like sat down and done it yet. And so um, Chris Chase and um, Brett Gorman, like from US Rowing, who are doing the level three coursework, um, they're like, yeah, you have to create one now since you don't really have one. So uh, I remember doing one in Tulsa where I'm previously from. So it's interesting how we just brought up the safety plan because I went from a river and now I'm at a lake. And I keep saying, oh, you know, it just rained. Is there going to be debris? And they're like, no, we're at a lake. <laughs> so uh, I'm learning different things as well, Sue, trying to figure out how all that works. Hey, uh, I just want to follow, follow up with that. Um, what's usually required in order to have your U.S. rowing uh, insurance policy is that you have to have written down your safe sport policy, which mm -hmm. if you're not familiar with safe sport, of course, that's the certification that we all have to go through uh, to provide anti-bullying. Uh, so Natalie, you may not know about this, but this is a, an Olympic uh, USOC certified program. So to prevent um, misconduct between coaches and athletes. And it's actually something you can do online. You just go to USOC and, or go to US Rowing and, and you can go through the safe sport training. Um, I just want to also push, if that's not written down somewhere in your policies, that's something to add in terms of student safety and athlete safety. Um, but also there's an adaptive athlete version of this based out of Boston. And it's actually a, to, to avoid uh, misconduct towards adaptive athletes, uh, which is a unique kind of scope of work. So just to add something to your to-do lists, um, you know, that's something that uh, I can give you the link for uh, to look into. I know not all of you are doing adaptive, but you never know. There is a, there's some education there around how to deal with, uh, how to work with athletes who have some differences, you know. Sue? So I was just going to say on the safe sport thing, um, I was working on it I was working on ours about a year ago, right before COVID hit. And um, I can't, I'd have to look up who I talked to at US Rowing, but he sent me a template for a safe sport policy. So it's like a pre-written safe sport policy that you then have to go through and like adjust to your club there. But it's, but the nice thing is it's like all of the big chunks are covered and then you just have to like address each chunk and make sure that it actually makes sense for you. So I found that really cool. Now the para-athlete thing, I don't remember seeing in there. So that would be like a good addition. Like I, again, not something, we don't work with para-athletes yet. We're going to at some point, but not yet. So that's not that scary, I promise. No, I'm not scared of it at all. I'm just not, not I'm not ready for it in terms of like, equipment and I, we're we're like changing locations and all that stuff i'm totally ready i'm in but yeah so i would just recommend when you when you are just thinking about it thinking about adding adaptive in terms of your inclusion definitely give me a call i got you like oh it, it's happening it's happening i just like i said i gotta get this move done first and figure out the river and then once we kind of get that once we're kind of like i gotta get settled i need a home yeah. once we have a home we're uh, yeah I'm, that's we're doing it Ash is offering uh, her advice to there to you, Sue. That's awesome. Thank you guys yes, for being such good teammates oh, for each other. Oh yeah, no, go ahead. 
I was going to say, so we're in the process of, of trying to work with our adaptive adults and then also recruiting youth. And the, the, the struggle that we found is that we can recruit the youth, but there's not really a lot of opportunities to be competitive at the youth level in adaptive rowing. And so again, this is where as change makers, where can we kind of push the needle? Because I don't want to recruit all these athletes and then be like, I don't have any. Oh no, I can tell you how to do that. Okay. I can, I can tell you. Because exactly. we're trying to, we're trying to figure this out ourselves. So that's why I was like, Sue, I can, I've already gone through some, some learning lessons that I'm happy to share offline and, and kind of, you can bypass those to get to the successful part. Um, but I know here that's been, at least from our side, some of the reservation with the youth is I don't want to set them up and, and, you know, we have the equipment, we have the coaches ready, we're working on sure. stuff, but I want them to have the same competitive experience that everyone else is having. Sure. Yeah. Out here. And just as a side note, we have developed ways to compete in, in the whole rowing community that are very competitive and very worthwhile. And I can tell you more detail about how we made that happen. We did a two-year pilot program with regattas and with local organizing committees, and it worked beautifully. So I can just definitely give you some advice about that because often para programs, there's one athlete, one coach or two and one, and you're the only one within a hundred mile radius. And, you know, it's just really difficult. So I could tell you what's worked for us and it's been awesome. So yeah, let's chat more. Steady State Network is dedicated to revealing a rowing narrative featuring real-life rowers, coaches, coxswains, and leaders, telling their stories, sharing advice, and speaking their minds. It's rowing for the rest of us. And we're back with the Changemakers. Rachel and I have these vision for 2021 and hosting another inclusive coaches summit toolkit was what we called it last year, the toolkit. What's in your inclusive coaches toolkit. And we had a question for each of you. If you were to present or be part of a presentation at such an event, what would you present on? I, I think I'm so a few things I was going to say in the last one, I think mine would probably be over language. Um, and that's verbal and nonverbal to create inclusive space. And that's something I took away from um, with the convention. You know, right now I have my pronouns listed. That's a small sense of opportunity to show someone that it's a safe space. I'm at least at the elementary level of understanding, you know, and then we can dive into some deeper conversation and grow. But to be able to model, like we shared before, places where without even saying that this is a safe place for you. Um, this is a place where we're at least open to leaning into some of the challenging conversations, even if we might be at the elementary level. Um, and I thought that there would be an important point is to listen to digest and not listen to respond. And I feel like we haven't learned a lot of how to just listen and value. Um, and especially when we're being challenged, whether in certain identities or we want to prove that, you know, we're, we're a good person and we're not that type of person, um, but really learning how to listen to digest and appreciate the story and have a point of reflection versus just trying to respond in a, in a sense of defensiveness. I think that for me, language, nonverbal and verbal would probably be where I would, I would want to start um, because I feel like that's somewhere of where we're missing um, some of the bridge to come together in unity. Uh, I'll go next if that's okay. Yeah. 
Um, what I would present on would be the importance of allowing athletes to have ownership over the program. Uh, one of the things that I try to really focus on in my program, which I think provides a lot of ownership and a sense of like kind of belonging in the team is like we do like a goal setting meeting. And I think it's really important because um, not even just having everyone have the same goals, but when you have a diverse team, you also have diversity in goals and diversity in how what you want to accomplish through the team and what you're hoping to get from it. So I think it's really important to support your athletes and their goals, like no matter what they are. And it's really important to have a place on the team for each athlete, um, no matter what their goals are. So even if you're, you're, maybe your athlete is interested in being like a recreational rower and just trying to gain fitness, you know, that's fine. And you can also still have them be on the same team with someone who's training at an elite level and wants to compete nationally. It's like, especially if you're on a lake, you know, you, you just make them do laps, you know? So I think it's really important to realize like, so have the, let them decide what their goals are. Um, have everyone kind of explain what their goals are, um, decide what they want to get from the program. And then, uh, it's your job to support them as a coach. Yeah, Sue, Sue what would you speak about in six months? Uh, okay, so this is a big thing for our, for me and for our team. I think the power of positive coaching um, and the power of creating a positive team environment. I think really that's one of the things that has made our club successful and why parents and kids keep coming back is it's just a really positive environment. We try to focus on, not, and, it's, and it's in every, it's the way I talk to the kids. It's the way that I have everyone talk to each other. Um, you know, and when we're bringing people in, that it's all about being positive. And I think that's been really powerful. That's also been one of the hardest things about COVID is creating that positive environment when we're all like torn apart has been really, really challenging. But I think, that's probably one of the biggest things for me is just the, the power of that positivity. I can tell it'd be a lot of fun to be at your, in your program. <laughs> you, you and I have very similar energy. I think we'd coach the same way. They call, it coach, of, Sue. They call it coach Sue fun for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of hugs and high fives, you know, uh, anybody else in six months, what can we, what can we be hearing from you? Just from my coaching experience and who I've talked with at regattas and whatnot, like pre-COVID, um, I think a big thing that is lacking is everybody wants to have an inclusive and diverse program, but the coaches aren't willing to change or they get that token coach who's like, oh, oh there's a female issue, send the female coach. Oh, there's like a BPOC issue, send the BPOC coach, you know? And I think it's important that every coach on a program is comfortable enough to handle all those aspects. They don't have to, just like I'm in a relationship, I don't have to change my tire, they can do it, but I wanna be able to know how. You know, I wanna be able to have that confidence that if it does, cause not every athlete is best friends or like as close to every single coach, you know, athletes have that coach that they go to. And I think it's important that that coach understands how to communicate and um, is more aware versus hiding. And, you know, they may just say, hey, we don't say that, but let's go deeper into it. And why don't we say that at this program? Why don't we do this and make it more open and discussion wise? And I think it has to come from the coaches. So I wanna help other coaches be more comfortable and confident in handling issues. 
Yes, absolutely needed. I think there's a lot of coaches being challenged right now in language and, and culture and, and all of those things. So this is a great time to just give them a leg up, you know, give them a boost. Uh, Lisa or Natalie, anything you have brewing? Um, I would say to, just as somebody who joined the sport as a master, as an older adult, I think that uh, thinking about how we can be inclusive in the sport to people who weren't part of this elite collegiate experience. Um, so whether that's as a master rower or, you know, somebody who isn't part of the, the typical culture of rowing, I think um, I would think about presenting in that manner because I think that it, rowing can provide such a wonderful experience uh, for people in their life at any age and any stage. So um, that's what I would think about. Yeah, before we finish up, um, Natalie, I completely agree with you. And this is something I talk a fair um, amount uh, about is coming into rowing as a master's and not through like what we call the typical pipeline, right? We've met so many people who come in as high school rowers, they move on as a collegiate rower and then either national team or not national team. And then maybe they come back as a master's rower. But you know, my entire life has also been, my entire rowing life has been as a master's rower. And I spent a lot of time feeling like I was an outsider. So I think I'd like to talk with you about it because it took me a very long time to feel like I could hold my own in conversations, even though I'd been at it for 10 years, I'd been a coach, I'd, you know, kind of worn all the different hats. Uh, so if any of you want to talk about that, feeling like an outsider because you came into it later or for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I'd love to have that conversation with you. And one of my favorite things to talk about, I've been a, a master's learn to row coach for about 12 years. And this is, I get to see them at the front door. Like I get to see them, all those little light bulbs go off, lots of tears, lots of, you know, uh, major light bulbs going off and a lot of growth happening in a very short amount of time. And one of the things I specialize in talking about is how do we keep those athletes as they move into your boathouse programs? And that's a big transition point from learn to row into whatever, what I call the receiving end at your boathouse is, and oftentimes that receiving end is not very welcoming for a newbie. You know, they call it paying their dues when they have to row with the novices, blah, blah, blah. But some boathouses really kick ass at it. And I'd love to um, have an opportunity to talk about that. I want to hear if Lisa's got something and then I'll finish with Ash. She just put something in the chat, but Lisa, what about you? Um, I mean, my, my PT brain, of course, goes into effect when it comes to talking about like, you know, what, what would I present about? But, um, you know, one, one of my big, I guess, overall kind of messages and anything I kind of put together up on my website or on social media or anything is always like, you know, how do we build a more resilient rower and, and, or create performance enhancement in, um, and in doing so. And I love focusing on every rower, you know, whether it's your juniors rower, your adaptive rower, your masters, you know, if anything, I feel like I talk less and focus less on the elite and collegiate populations because everybody talks about them and um, everybody else needs a little more love of how to get their, keep their body moving or get their body moving and continue to enjoy and love the sport and not fight your back pain or fight your shoulder pain or fight your whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, I feel like that's, that's my bubble. <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, that resiliency is really key. Again, the rower that shows up the next day, you know, you don't want a broken rower showing up the next day or being ashamed of, of not feeling a hundred percent and not being able to articulate their, their physical needs or, 
or, or something like that. Ash would, this, oh yeah. I just had this thought about that, that I'm not sure, you know, so I've been rowing a long while and I'm sure I don't remember a lot from my very earliest days of rowing, but I don't remember a lot of coaches who I rowed under talking about self-care for resiliency. Uh, and I think that's a really great vantage point, Lisa, that we need to be talking about. And yeah. I know so many people, and I'm sure you all do too, know people who just say, oh, my back hurts, but I'm going to row through it. Oh, my back hurts, but I don't feel like going to the doctor. Oh, I don't feel, you know, I'm really guilty of that as myself. I rode for years without taking care of myself the way that I should have until I finally made a friend who's a chiropractor. And he was like, you just have to come see me. <laughs> and then I, and then I kicked myself for not having done that earlier. So bringing that part of the conversation in much earlier in a rower's life cycle Right. Yeah, One of the happen. things I've talked to coaches a lot about is that an, a co an athlete that's basically on the disabled list, you know, for a, lack of a better term, uh, who has, has a back injury or, or a rib fracture, that's very popular, common at all uh, for a lot of kids who just pull hard, you know, suck it up, like, like Ash is saying, and just do your 2K. Um, the other thing that they're seeing is if they are an injured athlete, coaches are not set up to be able to keep them involved. They like, hey, ride in the launch and do video for me. That's not an acceptable response or, you know, get on the concept to bike while the rest of us do this. Well, we're in a different time now. And, and even when we're in full mode, um, coaches just don't, they're not given the, the bandwidth to, or the creativity or the innovation to figure out a really knowledgeable and, and safe solution for those athletes not about that culture in coaching of creating a dialogue, a safe dialogue where a kid is like, I don't feel well, like my knee hurts. Like, this is not okay. I I'm having some red flags going off because when they see that the kid who's injured gets sent home or has to ride in the launch, they're just going to suck it up and not say anything because they want to stay in their boat and their boats counting on them. So, you know, those, those kinds of things where they're afraid to talk about their injuries, um, that culture of shame around that really comes from coaches being inadequately trained. They should not know anything more than a basic knowledge of rehab. They should not pretend to be doctors or pretend to um, override a physical therapist's or, or a physician's um, recommendations, but a kid should be able to say, or a coach should say, how's it feeling today? How are you today? Like what's the doctor said, like all of that. You see that in very elite programs um, where there's a lot on the line, but these sort of mass huge juniors programs with 150 kids, you know, just, they're just cycling them through. Anyway, we're on a tangent, but it's definitely worth a, a chat. Um, we're going to just try and wrap it up, but Ash, you had something you want to add in there? Yeah, I'll just keep it brief. And I know um, sure. Rachel kind of touched on it. And I shared this with Sue on the last one when we were talking about masters. And I think just eliminating, and I think we're in a new wave of where rowing is going, of this elitist mentality of you have to prove your seat at the table and if you deserve to have that seat at the table. And I think that it's really important that you know, we're all rowers. We all know you have to pull hard. It's not a glamorous sport. We don't get a lot of love for what we do, but we do it because we love it. And I think even for me, even though I rode in college, I'm like, oh, I'm not a national champion. And, and I talked down to my own accolades, which also made me start late on. I started on time when I'm supposed to, but in my mind, sometimes I'm like, I started late because I didn't own my story, but until I could own and value my story, 
and see that just because I didn't have a national title or I wasn't on national team or I wasn't ranked doesn't mean that I can't still have some magic in this sport and make a difference was the moment when I could go out and do what I needed to in my business. And, and the kids are looking up to me and the adults because I've accomplished something that they're hoping that they can. And so until we learn to own our seat and our story, we're always going to push ourselves back. But I think that it is an, an essence of this elitist mindset in our sport of, well, tell me who you rode for, who'd you row with, you know, what are your accolades? And then do, do you deserve my time? And I think what this new wave is, is showing is like, you show up every, every day, you deserve my time. And I think that's really cool to be a part of, of that shift. What a great way to go out. We love that. I think that we can all preach, you know, that that's, that's exactly where we're going and, and we need more of that. So I'm, I'm such a huge fan of every one of you and what you've done and, and what you've accomplished so far. And it's only January 17th. So let's, let's keep going. I'd love to reconvene this group. I know that Rachel and I really appreciate all of your contributions and we're really feeling this powerful push um, behind this new style of coaching and we're meeting a lot of people and, you know, we don't want to be binary and say that this is a women um, kind of thing. We want to make sure that we're, we're staying within um, the gender fluidity of the people that are really involved in this sport and the gender fluidity of just our life of culture. Um, that's how we are, but we really appreciate your, your visions and your contributions. And we can't wait to hear what happens next. So hopefully we can set up something and, and find out what's going on in a couple months and, and meet up again and definitely feel free to contact Rachel or I for anything you need. We can connect you. And also don't be afraid to ask one of us for any kind of guidance or assistance or just where to, where to turn. We know um, uh, quite a few, but we also know people around the world, you know, looking outside the United States and looking outside the U S what has rowing Canada done? What has rowing uh, British rowing done? What has Australian rowing done? Um, and there's been some really incredible inclusion work done in Australia. They have a, we don't need to reinvent the wheel, but we, there is definitely some work that's been done that we could definitely take some cues from. Yeah. I'd like to just put, yeah, two, my two cents onto that is my, my rowing world and notion of what rowing community could be really, really opened up when I started paying attention to British rowing. If you haven't, check out their website, their blogs, their sense of community is so engaging and it feels much more warm and fuzzy than U.S. rowing's does. Uh, the way that they communicate with their members, but also just the general public. And then also um, most recently has come to my attention is Rowing Ireland. We had uh, Tara and I'm pointing like you can tell that Tara is over there on my screen. Um, Tara, Tara and I had the opportunity uh, to speak with the CEO of Rowing Ireland. Her name is Michelle Carpenter and she was amazing. And Total their badass. Website, yeah, yeah, and their, their web, website as well. Uh, oh, and uh, Australia rowing. Anyway, so just check out other countries and what they're doing and their communities are, it's just a different way of looking at the sport. There's all the same stuff. It's just, a, it's just approached in a little bit different way and presented in a different way. So yeah. different colors to look, look at on the screen and some different information. So check it out. Uh, besides that, yeah, I just wanted to follow up with what Tara was saying is, you know, we were really excited um, when we met you at the end of last year and we want to keep reaching out to you. We don't want to be a nag, but we do want to stay connected to you. 
So we hope that you feel the same way. And, you know, you, I think all have a general sense of what we're working on here with our best part of your rowing week and our podcasts. And uh, we're also still, um, you know, I'll put this on the table. We are struggling a little bit with the curation end of things. We're doing a lot of creation, but we'd love to be curating. So if you, I know it like, I don't know if any of you really have the bandwidth, but if you would like to write something about any of those things that you said you could talk about six months from now, photographs, hundred words, thousand words, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Anything you'd love to share. If you sit down tomorrow, I I have this thing and you start writing and it just comes out, but you don't know what to do with it. Um, we'd love to be able to share some of that. Um, We'd love yeah. to be able to share that through our website and through our social media. And uh, with um, and with the age of where we are, it could be anything. It could be a short video. It could be a, a sound composition. It could be, you know, where if you look on our stuff, we're doing stuff like audio postcards of, you know, one minute, two minute snippets of someone reflecting on rowing or uh, photography or art, you know, gel pads, you know, the, the unique art of gel pads from Florida or, you know, just anything that kind of gets you going and really exhibits some of these things that you're talking about um, in a creative way. You know, we don't need to be an academic journal, but we want to show the real life stories of, of the people that we're talking to. So. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us, everybody. TikTok challenge. TikTok I know. Challenge. You need to come up with something. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you join the Steady State Patreon community as a subscriber, you're supporting a new narrative in rowing and a couple of your fellow rower entrepreneurs making it happen. At Steady State Network, we believe wholeheartedly in the importance of inclusion at all levels and investing in rowers, coaches, and leaders who believe the same. Beginning in 2021, support we receive from Patreon members will help provide coaching, coxing, and training education throughout the year. Find out more about our Patreon levels and benefits at SteadyStateNetwork.com slash Patreon. That's it for today. Thanks for enjoying another episode of Steady State Podcast. Visit SteadyStateNetwork.com for show notes, like links, mentions, and bonus content from this episode. Into... Let it run. That's one, two, let it run.